Well, hello and welcome back to Failure Peace Theater. This is Editor Tim here, resuming our Dial of Destiny episode already in progress. Where it's like, oh, I don't know. This, it, it's good, but uh, it's not great. I will say that here's the other thing. Indiana Jones movies are not known for their thematic content. And, and, I, and you can disagree with me on this if you want to, because I, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but it's been my read. Because, and the films do increase in thematic content as they go on, right? Last Crusade, a lot of themes there about fatherhood, daddy issues, legacy, you know, like there's some stuff in there about that. But first Indiana Jones, I mean, Nazis are bad. Don't fuck around with shit you should fuck around with. I mean, like, that's kind of it, right? Um, Temple of Doom. Blonde girls are fun. I I don't know what kind of thematic gods it is. Beware we, we could, the blonde lady. <laughs> beware the blonde she lady might be and a bugs. Nazi. <laughs> yeah, she might be a Nazi. That's the last crusade for sure. Um, you know, like, it, but this one really tries to develop some very powerful thematic ideas about Indiana Jones at the end of his life. Right. Where do you find meaning? Where do you derive joy? Um, um I don't and, know. I, I no, you could ahead. argue that there's there are theme there's thematic content content in Indiana Jones. Sure. I mean, yes, like Temple of Doom, blonde ladies are fun. Yes, Last Crusade, blonde <laughs> ladies are Nazis. I mean, I'm being, I mean, I'm being very glib. You know, like yes. we're being reductive here, but in in general, I feel like this movie blew it up a little bit. Maybe a little bit too far. <laughs> like, yeah, I, and I guess that was where I was headed. Ultimately, is like I don't know how much of that Indiana Jones needs. Because I, I think you know? Last Crusade probably had the strongest theme. Totally, yeah. Um, but it was criticized for that. Where At it was like, "This is schmaltzy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, they hate now. I mean. Now people are like, "Oh, Last Crusade, num 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 num, so good." But at the time, people were like. <laughs> I don't want to see about this. I just want to see him getting oh. chased by a rock and boning hot women. His, he ain't punching enough Nazis. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. that's what people wanted to see. Now, me, on the other hand, Last Crusade is my favorite. Yeah. Because that's what I grew up with. I had all mm-hmm. three of them to watch anytime I wanted. Yeah. So three I was the only one I got to see in the theaters. So I, I'll always have a special place for that one. I, I like to see that one in a movie theater. I don't see Indiana Jones as being like this one was good, this one was bad, this one was good, this one was bad. It's just it was all a, a soup of three perfect movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I originally felt like wow, you can't you couldn't end a trilogy any better than Last Crusade, where like Indiana Jones learns this big literally lesson right off into the sunset and rides off literally. into the sunset, and it's and literally it's <laughs> rides off into um, the sunset. So. So I already feel like every time they bring him back, they're killing a little bit of the magic and the power of that theme a bit more. So then to go bigger with the theme of like Indy's lesson learned in this movie was like, how many times is he going to learn about what's really important in life before he just remembers? Before he just remembers. Exactly. Um, You know, I. They deal with mutt in a hilarious way. Like I was like, Oh, he's just dead. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, Killed off screen. Don't worry about it. Shia LaBeouf pissed, pissed off Steven Spielberg after transformers three. So, uh, we done they, here. You they know? debuffed the film. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh wow, that's a wizard level debuff. Uh, yeah, the the buff is gone. Uh, there is a picture of him, so he would have gotten a paycheck. They would have had to pay him to put that picture in the movie. There is a picture. Um, but yeah, I I uh, the th- so the you know for those who haven't seen it or, or no interest in seeing it, you know basically Indiana Jones is teaching at what is it Howard College in New York City. Um, and Hunter, Hunter, Hunter College. Hunter. Excuse me. Yes, not Howard. My apologies. Um, he's teaching at Hunter College, and and the opening of the film is very careful to specifically convey. Well, after the cold open of the film, <laughs> which uh, okay, yeah, let's start there. Uh, okay, so this movie so opens long. in. A, somebody made the note. Maybe it was the red letter guys. <laughs> like the opening of this film is a third of the original film. Yeah. Right. Like the cold open for this movie is in all, for all intents and purposes, a one third, the running time of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I and, think that that is telling, you know, and I don't so, hate what happens in it because, no, okay, will you no. explain what happens and then okay, we'll talk right, about what yeah. the bad part, the bad part of what happens. Ah. Uh, so we open in, uh, was it supposed to be in like 1942, 43, 44, right at the end of the war. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Cause they talk about how Hitler's screwing everything up. This is all the pains. Um, so oh. this is 1944 and we'd already been told in kingdom of the crystal skull that Indy wound up being a sort of de facto secret agent during the war, right? He did a lot of stuff for the allies. Presumably this is kind of backhanded sort of one of these missions. Maybe sort of doesn't really matter. Uh, so it's 1944. They're attempting, he and a colleague played by Toby Jones. Wonderfully. I love Toby Jones. Um, uh, are, are infiltrating a castle currently under siege by the Nazis because they are trying to find the spear of destiny. Right. Uh, now this, the, the story of Hitler's search for the spear that pierced Christ's side is if, if I'm remembering correctly, the story of like where Hitler's obsession with arcane artifacts comes from occult artifacts, right? Cause he was indeed obsessed with finding all that stuff and, and, or at least that's the story that, that came out. And so, um, they're trying to find the spear of destiny and Indiana Jones is trying to steal it out from under them. In essence, um, there are some reveals, some twists, some double back around kind of things. Um, but ultimately they wind up on a train that the Nazis are using to escape the situation. Uh, there's a mysterious Dr. Schmidt, I guess his oh, name's well, not Schmidt. His, his real name is Jürgen Wohler. Jürgen Wohler. <laughs> Uh, Dr. German name, Dr. German man (laughs) coming to steal your artifacts. Uh, Dr. Dr. Voller played very well by, by, uh, Maz Mikkelsen. He's great in everything he does. He's doing this weird, like stoic thing with his face in this. that almost makes him, I, I, okay. Uh, so there's a thing that happens at the end of the train ride where Voller gets beat in the fucking head with a, with like one of those old pipes that they would put over trains or like a light that they would hang next to it. And I seriously expected that to pay off into some like horrific face injury that he was covering up or something. It's never mentioned again. Like this dude was on the side of a train traveling at like 80 miles an hour and got beamed. I mean, that should have killed him. It should have killed him. 
And then he shows up 30 years later and he's just like, yeah, it was no problem. And he's fine. He's still beautiful. He's still a beautiful man. So I, I don't know if it's like the makeup budget was the one to go. It's like, we need more de-aging budget, <laughs> no more makeup budget or something. Uh, but that's, that's the thing that people have focused on is that this film uses digital de-aging techniques to de-age Harrison Ford for the entirety of this sequence. And, um, and I, go ahead. I hate it. First, um, like I just hate it because I hate what it is on principle. I hate, yes. I hate it on principle, yeah. but I don't understand how, how Walt Disney, the corporation can have so much money and we can make so many technological advancements mm-hmm. and they can't make this look any better than in Tron legacy when we saw it's still Tron Legacy, baby. It's, it's Jeff Bridges D8. It's the same shit. They're just trying to make it higher resolution. That's and all it, they're and doing. It looks, it looks so good until he Everything moves comes back to his Tron Legacy. Mouth. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, you until know, you t- that makes sense. All of these things look great when they're just standing there. But the moment they start performing, it, it falls apart. They just yeah. can't do it. To um, the point this where one I, is I much- better. But it still, is, yeah. it is, but I, but I, I much, I much prefer just hiring a younger actor. We need to get to that phase. I, we need Mike Flanagan to just go punch all these motherfuckers in the mouth and be like, listen, find a good actor that we, resembles the person they're out and there. just fucking put them in some makeup, dude. Like, I mean, it's we, not we that did that hard. Han Solo movie. And we cast a younger man to be Han Solo. And you know what happened? Everybody got fucking Every- pissed. Everybody lost their minds because it wasn't <laughs> Harrison Ford. Even though Alden Ehrenreich, I okay, I'm going to plant my flag in this right here. Solo is the best one of the Disney movies that they fucking made. Solo um, is great. I love it. It's good. It's too dark at times. God damn it, Ron Howard, be a better director. We've talked about this. The, the thing I like best fun. about it I was like that Solo. they just got a younger dude. Yeah, they didn't try dudes. to make Could it you... Harrison Ford because you know what? Harrison Ford is old. He's old and he has such a distinctive face. Like that's the thing that I'm starting to realize yeah. is the reason why you can't copy Harrison Ford is because that dude's face is fucked up. His nose curves like 60 degrees. He's got scars everywhere. His mouth soft center. Like, None of the things that computers need to compute symmetrically is a thing that Harrison Ford's face can do. And, and from what I understand, nobody's done the technical breakdown of how they deep faked his face, but like Harrison Ford made a lot of movies during that age period. Cause they're obviously shooting for like late thirties, early forties, Harrison Ford. It, it's, it's late eighties, Harrison Ford. And yeah. He made like, and he made dozens of films. So I'm sure Disney went out and they fed frames from every single one of those films into their computational algorithmic boxes in order to derive Harrison Ford's face. And what we've now been shown is that even after all that hard work, guess what? It still looks like shit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, Stop um, it. It's not going to work. It, it feeds into this, this thing that I hate about culture that we're not we're so uncomfortable with aging sure, that yeah. we can't just like let anyone let be age. old. Yeah. Just let just let Harrison Ford be old and find a young guy 
who acts like Harrison Ford. I mean, most of us have a Harrison Ford impression in our bag just from sure. watching his movies. Because yeah. um, on top of it, the vocal performance was bad. Because and it's that's Harrison the problem, Ford's is he voice. still sounds old. Like He yeah. sounds like Harrison Ford, old Harrison Ford. In it's Harry, an 80-year-old man. Face. Yeah. Um, Come on, And, and by the way, you know, like, Harrison Ford looks fucking amazing for being an 80-year-old oh, yeah. man. Yeah, dude looks incredible. Um, so I just, the whole thing was off-putting because I don't understand why we don't just let actors age, why we don't just let them be their age, and why we don't give a chance for younger actors to step into these roles and and possibly get, I mean, God forbid, more Indiana Jones movies with a young person yeah. who can I mean, do, like, stunts. That's not going to happen. Yeah, um, and I'm, like, I don't want that to happen, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, there are still opportunities here that that we're just not allowing it because we think computers can solve it, and they really can't. However, they also de-aged Mods Mickelson. Yes, he looked the and same. and Toby Jones. Nobody's <laughs> talking Toby about Jones. that, but they de-aged <laughs> Toby Jones too. He, they didn't have to do it in some of the super obvious ways, but they definitely did. Um, and and I guess that's part. Of it. I will okay. So to not be entirely negative about this, even though we could be. It, this is the best the technology has been able to produce. It's still kind of wonky and stupid looking. I was not constantly distracted by it, is what I will say. Sure. It was not bad enough that every time the character, the DH character was on screen, I was going like, uh. Like, it, eventually, because the scene goes on for quite a while, uh, you just kind of get used to it. You do. Uh, again, the thing that they can't do is mouth movements and and like and, and facial lighting. <laughs> they cannot get the lighting right. It it matches the scene as close as they can get it, but it's the subtle things about like the double shadow you get on the jaw from multiple light sources. Sometimes, like it's, it's that yeah, man, stubble just doesn't look good. It, and like when you're doing Harrison Ford, like that man's face is stubble. It's, like he yeah, invented that. It that defines look. stubble. <laughs> Um, it looked good when they first pulled the hood off, which you can tell that they knew that was the money scene. That was the scene that they yeah. had to sell it. So when it first pulls his hood off, he's like got this flashlight in his face. It's very direct lighting. It looks fine. It's got some subtlety to the facial performance that, you know, is probably pretty close to what Harrison, what, what I'm sure they did is they had 80 year old Harrison Ford act all the scenes so they could get the facial reference. But again, human face changes. Right. Yeah. The way a face moves changes as you age. And so 80 year old Harrison Ford, even though he is delivering what is undoubtedly a fantastic performance as Indiana Jones, when you map that performance to the face of 40 year old Harrison Ford, it's a different face. It, it's a different face and it doesn't look right. Um, so it's it's not super distracting. You're going to get through it. They don't bring it back, which I actually had a few people say that they wanted more indie flashbacks yeah. in the film. And I was like, you're kind of out of your mind. Wasn't like, this no. enough? This was so much. Well, they're, they're, uh, one podcast I was listening to, they were like, they should have gone back to Indy's past. And actually, like when they, spoilers, they time travel. Um, they should have gone back and he should have like met himself and stuff. And I was like, no, 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 no wrong. Apart from the fact that that takes us into an entirely different 
branch of time travel film when you go back and interfere with yourself. We're not doing Back to the Future here. Oh, God, yes. And then he blows up. A tiny little Ah. blob that gets... uh, Ron Silvers is going to get like... (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Uh, So, it's... If you are especially sensitive to that stuff, if you see it in your media and it bugs you, it's going to bug you here. If you generally just kind of that washes over you, it's it, it's passable and it's fine. It's I believe that it's quite literally, probably anyway, the best they could do. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't think the technology is at a point where they could do much better. Um, And it's and it's mostly OK. And it does come to an end like it does stop. And then we what I well, it, what what I can say about this is it ends. It ends. <laughs> What I will say, though, is that this there is a a minor flashback scene later in the film that I really don't think we needed, but it's there, um, which has like late 1990s Indiana Jones, right? Like early 50s. And for some reason, I don't know if it was the lighting because it was very diffuse lighting. It looked better. And I kind of think it's because the performance that Harrison Ford as an 80 year old man gave was closer to the performances that Harrison Ford was giving during like the K-12 Widowmaker era of his, his films. Right. And it just tracked better. It mapped better onto that. And I, I I don't know it though. The scenes were also more domestic. It was less complicated. You could tell they could sort of plan for more Um, because the train chase is, is a pretty good train chase. I mean, we've seen Indiana Jones do trains before. I mean, young Indiana Jones, I guess, but still, um, but man, that train, that CG train looked super bad, like unequivocally. There's a scene with him walking on top of the train and it was awful. I mean, it wasn't like, like Polar uh, Express bad, but it was bad. No, no <laughs> but it was bad. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> the, we open in that sequence. They they end up realizing that the Spear of Destiny is uh, a fake. That it's a reproduction. And so Mickelson proposes to the Nazi captain played by... Um, Oh, what is that guy's name? He's another one of those guys. Uh, he uh, played uh, He played the doctor in Age of Ultron. Thomas Kretschmann. Uh, Thomas Kretschmann. German actor. Very good. Um, the, he tries to convince the Nazi commander that he has a real artifact that Hitler will want in the form of the, what is it, Antikytheros or something, but it's the, the dial of destiny, a, a fabled mathematical device created by Archimedes. that Nobody can figure out what it does. Um, and so he proposes giving that back to the Fuhrer so that they can use it to do Nazi, Nazi things. crimes, Nazi crime everywhere. And uh, Indiana Jones winds up taking that uh, because Toby Jones knows what it is and says we need to take this instead. Um and then, so they escape off the train. It's a fairly bombastic action sequence, explosions, jumping from the train into water, whatever, you know, again, Mads Mikkelsen's get, gets absolutely destroyed in the face by a pole. Like, I need you to remember this because when he showed up again and they didn't pay it off, I was like, huh? Excuse me? Baking powder? Like... <laughs> That dude got hit in the face with a pole at 80 miles an hour. What is, why is he not fucked up? It like, was a waste for old reference. It was. Excuse me. It was indeed. Um, but I like literally in the theater, I like looked over at Heather. I was like, wait, didn't he get totally fucked up in that last scene? Uh, like, wow, anyway, Mickelson's role was short. I mean, because... those, 
sturdy folk over there in 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 the frozen norths of Europe. Uh, and uh, so anyway, then we flash forward into the, the you know the main story, right? After a half an hour, <coughs> we are we are in the the 1960s, specifically the day that the astronauts had their ticker tape parade in New York City uh, after their successful moon landing. So we're looking, you know, mid 1969, and Indiana Jones is is teaching at Hunter College. He we get a lot of scenes that parallel previous Indiana Jones scenes. Very famously, the one where you know every student is hanging on every word of of what he's saying and now he is the old professor that nobody listens to nobody cares about I it's listen. it's very sad and i i can't to a certain extent i can't believe that indiana jones you know henry jones junior whatever would be that disengaged as an instructor right like it always seemed like the joke of the Spielberg films was that he was always itching to get out there. And so the teaching stuff, while he might've done it well, was never his, because like never forget that in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, there's students waiting outside to ask him about their midterm or whatever. He just <laughs> fucks off out the window. He's like, Nope, I'm not going to deal with any of this, which uh, I work in higher education and I can confirm <laughs> most teachers. Yeah. That is their approach. Um, uh, nope, not here. Closed door. Uh, if their offices had windows. But they, fortunately, they, would jump, they, they make would sure they don't have windows them. anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those windows don't open, baby. Uh, so in any case, the, they make the idea here pathetic. is he's pathetic. Yes, like he I, has fallen so far from the man that we've seen before. You know, It was a little too far. Yeah, I kind of think it's unbelievably far. Like I think um, it, it's, it's, it's too much, you know? I was okay um, with the the board students because, like, oh, he's an old man. We're not going to listen to him. I was like, oh, sure. that's cute. Yeah, I mean, and it's the '60s. So, but then yeah. he's in like a filthy apartment alone, and he like doesn't have anything. Yeah, the first can... shot is this fairly typical long panning establishing shot that comes to him falling asleep in front of the television in a recliner in his boxers and a ratty T-shirt. And it uh, it wasn't funny. It was I, not a joke. No. Yeah, like I I feel like maybe it was originally supposed to be a joke, but it ended up just making me sad. <laughs> I'm like, this is right. not how I want to see Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, this is you know when I was talking about thematic elements, like they're they're working very hard here to. I mean, they're working to try and make Indiana Jones feel like he is a man out of time, right? Like time, like I think the idea was to express the concept that time has moved on without him and that there are it's, no more adventures anymore. The adventures are taking place in space. It's yeah. It's places that Indiana Jones doesn't have access to, right? He can't there are no go more there. Nazis. Um, and he feels very disengaged from that. He feels very separated from those things. He feels like he's not a part of this world. And, and I think the student disinterest in his lecture on the Battle of Syracuse, set up for later, um, is is supposed to be the, the solidification of that. It's not that yeah. he doesn't matter. It's like that nobody's focused on history right now because history is being made, right? Yeah. History is occurring, so we're not worried about looking back now. 
And Indiana Jones, to a certain extent, has always been about looking back, right? Like looking back to find answers for now. And that's not happening. So, you know, we do get some good scenes. He's on the subway and there's like that kid in the space helmet that he just kind of looks at funny for a sec and kind of shrugs off. You know, like, honestly, I think that would have been enough to sort of like set the theme in motion. But I did love that he's retiring and he doesn't care, you know, because the academic side of his life was never the part of it that he was engaged with anyway. So I got that. I mean, because we've seen elements of that in all of the other films that the academic life supported the adventuring life. And now that the adventuring life is gone, the academic life doesn't satisfy. And, you know, I mean, nobody's going to fight you on these thematic elements. But again, I feel like it just went too hard. It went too hard. And I, I found myself wondering if that was maybe a mangled take. Because Um, it reminded mm, me a bit of Logan. Of Logan. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, man, this is making, this is a bummer and I don't like like it. This isn't just old Logan. This is sad, pathetic, like, just lay down and die, Logan. Yeah. And and I mean, again, I, I think with Logan, what Mangold may have learned is that if you put them down that low, then when they rise to the heights, you get this even better, you know, like more powerful catharsis. And but is that what Indiana Jones needs? But yeah, I don't think Indiana Jones needs that, right? Like, because he's going to put the hat back on. Like, you know yeah. it. And you know he'll do it even if he doesn't want to. Because again, we've seen Indiana Jones realize, I've got to do this, you know? Um, the other The other part of it that I think is just a function of the series aging is that the original Indiana Jones... And to a certain extent, Temple of Doom went the other direction with this. Is Indiana Jones is do is I don't want to say performing a public service, but like he's literally trying to stop the Nazis from obtaining power that could destroy the world. Right? Like he is doing something gallant and like knightish in in his own unique way. Temple of Doom, we explore Indy motivated, which is why I think it was a prequel, motivated purely by fortune and glory, right? I want my name in the books, right? I want people to remember what I've done. And then you get to Kingdom, or you get to Last Crusade, and it's about the history intertwining with Indiana Jones's life and then ultimately allowing him to reconnect with people that he'd left behind, right? So you get the first real story where the history is personal, right? Yeah. And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the history is kind of personal, reconnecting with Marion, right? Ugh. And and I think they I think they went that way here again. And I think they should have gone back to Indy performing a public service. I am stopping Nazis from fucking going back in time and changing shit. That's what I am doing. And I will put on the hat to do that all day long. And that just doesn't get emphasized. It, it's it, they still try to make it this like I'm going to reconnect with my goddaughter who's like crazy, <laughs> and it's like you invented this person. You want me to care about this person? Okay, I'll be super honest. I thought that Phoebe Waller Bridge was going to be Marcus Brody's daughter. Same. That's what I thought from all the trailers. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Marcus, you know, was much older. Maybe he had a kid late in life. And, and Indy kind of like adopted this girl because she didn't have anybody else, right? 
And, you know, he was paying for her to go to boarding school in England or whatever, do like, I mean, literally you could do anything. And that would have been like, oh, like we know Marcus. He was kind of an idiot. He was a bumbling guy, but he was so committed to history. But no, we're going to invent a whole new character that we've never heard of before that apparently also went on adventures with Indiana Jones. And I just like was like, okay, I mean, that's fine. You can't you can't lean too far into the past. But I was like, man, they leaned so far into the past everywhere else, everywhere else. Like, why not? Like or just any. I mean, there could have been so many characters that were tied together with her. Or she's just a new character. She's a treasure hunter. Like, why did he need to be the goddaughter? Like, I and I again, I know there are easy answers to those questions. I'm 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 doing the what if game, and man, that's so easy to do. And I don't want to I don't want to spend the whole time in the what if game. But for me, the character that deserves what ifing the most is Phoebe Waller Bridge. So let's let's segue into her. Cause I don't I I did not dislike her in this film. Like I think she's fine and she's working very well with what she has. Um but I think her character's motivations are the most obtuse and her turn, her, her arc, if you can call it, that is the most obfuscated by the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't get what she's trying to do in this movie other than she wants to initially sell the precious artifacts, but, but she also does she? doesn't <laughs> right. Like, this is very unclear. Like she needs, I get it if she needs money. Okay. Like she's in too deep with certain people. Understandable, easy motivation. She's got to sell this thing quick to get the cash, to pay the guy, to pay. But the she guy, didn't seem very stressed out by no. that. Mm-mm. So I have a hard time believing that she wanted to get this money so she could pay off her debts. What I felt like the scene, because eventually once Indy, there is, there are some, solid action sequences in the uh in in the New York ticker tape parade Mads Mikkelsen has a crew with Boyd Holbrook again cuz apparently James Mikkel just fucking loves Boyd Holbrook and I was like fine whatever I, like I, I I'm tired of getting you I'm tired of walk, watching you do weird mouth stuff on screen cuz yeah. Boyd Holbrook sits on screen and he does weird shit with his mouth <laughs> he's just constantly okay. like chewing on a toothpick or just like running his 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 tongue over his teeth, and it's like, what are you doing, right? Like, what is the purpose of this? Are you? Um, uh, they actually used the term in Asteroid City. There's too much business with all of his characters, right? Because they make a joke about it in that movie about Jason Schwartzman's character. Because Jason Schwartzman smokes a pipe, he wears a camera around his neck, he has one eye that's kind of gimpy, and uh, and he has this really big, like, surprisingly robust beard. Right. And like the director in one of the one of like the external scenes, he comes out and he's like, I don't Schwartzman is confused about his character for one scene. And so he during his time off stage, he finds the direction. He's like, tell me if I'm doing this right. And they have this conversation about it. And the director's like, there's too much business. You're doing too much shit. You need to calm down. Right. Yeah. Like, don't you don't need the camera and the pipe. Get rid of, get rid of one of them. You don't need it. And and it's like with Boyd Holbrook, it's like, stop doing weird shit with your mouth. It's just stop <laughs> it. It's like, you don't have to just relax your it's face. It's fine. Just like just speak like a normal human being. Like it's fine. Um so there is a good action sequence. Uh my wife really enjoyed the the subway horse chase, especially when he was like down on the tracks, because that looked okay for me. When he um, when he said hold my horse. 
that was perfect. And that, that was, was Indiana Jones. That was Indiana Jones. Just like, okay, hold my horse. You hold know, my I, horse. I go. <laughs> you know, like that. Yes. Like there are legitimate, like good Indiana Jones moments in this film. I know we're going to, we're focusing on the negatives. We're bagging on it, but there are much like crystal skull. There are moments of like, yeah, that's it. You got it. Well done. Check the box. Um, but it's just, it's, that's not the total package. Um, so we, when we eventually like Phoebe Waller bridge, and, and again, I'm just going to lay this out and I want you to tell me if it makes sense to you. Okay. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge shows up in Indiana Jones's classroom. He doesn't recognize her. He has his little retirement party, goes to a bar. She follows him in. They drink together. She reintroduces herself as long lost goddaughter. I'm, you know, do you remember that weird dial of Archimedes that my dad was obsessed with and almost killed himself over? And Jenny Angel's like, yeah. Uh, do you remember where that was? Because I think I figured out where it was. And and I think you guys lost it in this river and we should go find it. We'll go on one last adventure, Indiana Jones, you and me together forever. Woo. So she gives him this whole pitch and Indiana Jones, because he's old, he's like, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, don't you remember when I came to your house? And she's like, no. Uh-uh. What, uh, when did you come to my house? And it's like, house uh, what okay. house <laughs> we had a house like it's just and so indiana jones reveals yes i actually do have it i didn't lose it in a river i've had it this whole time and then we find out that supposedly he promised her dad that he would destroy it but he didn't for history nebulous reasons and then she steals it and fucks off and then later like we see the scene where indiana jones the dial from Toby Jones and said, you're going to, you're like really too into this man. You need to calm down. I'm just going to take it and I'll keep it safe. And then he leaves and the girl is there. And so it's like, okay, so she pretended like she didn't remember. She also pretended like she didn't know where the dial was to lure him into adventure to France that they wouldn't need to go on to because she knows exactly where the dial is. So like, why didn't she what? just say like, where's the dial? Where's Give the, me the dial? dial? Like <laughs> this is the other thing about Indiana Jones that I love is that it is very clear what's going on, right? There are, there are twists. Like I didn't need the triple betrayer twist from Ray Winstone in Indiana Jones and the crystal skull. <laughs> I didn't I'll be need all that. Right. I'll be all right. I'm I'll just going right. to stay here with all the treasure. It's fine. It's so fucking dumb, man. It's like, no, like, literally, you're right here. Just reach for me. I will pull you out and you can survive. No, no I've done, done, I've done too much bad shit, indeed. It's time for me to die. Like, all right, I guess. Like, the Indiana Jones doesn't need that. And I know that movie was riffing on, like, 50 spy thrillers and all that bullshit. But I that know. sucks. But it <laughs> sucks. And it's not what Indiana Jones is about. Indiana Jones is about clear stakes. Clear stakes. Here's the problem. Here's what we've got to do. Let's go do it. Complications, right? Like that's it. And you don't need to be more complicated. So, so it immediately makes Helena. We don't know what she wants. We don't know if she's good or bad. We, we don't know like why she's doing the things that she's doing, why she's putting Indy in jeopardy, because then Indy is now immediately in danger from all these weirdos um, who had no knowledge of him. And they make special point to show that he's like, um, 
you know, like they kill his colleagues at the college. Yeah, that was. And he sees them and that's like, he's like, oh, God, like. And like, I thought it was going to be like this scene, like that becomes the point of like, I'm going to take revenge on you guys. But it that never comes up again. Um, he They make special point to show that he leaves a bloody handprint on a phone. And then that gets him accused of murder because the Johann Schmidt, Hans Wohler people are in bed with the CIA. On Jacob Jingleheim. <laughs> because Operation Paperclip, now they're doing whatever the Nazi says because they want the rockets. And I'm like, okay, now we're getting... Like, yes, our government sucks. At least here in the United States, your government is probably fine. Um, but I can't believe that they would just give a crew of trained operatives carte blanche to an Operation Paperclip Nazi 10 years after the, well, no, 20 years after the end of the war, 15, 15 years after the war, because he tells them, I want to go get a thing. And then they would just be like, all right, that's cool. Mm. Sure. Uh, yeah, but that's what happens. So he's in bed with the CIA. The CIA is covering all this up. So they blame Indiana Jones for all the murders at the college, which, um, I'm just going to ask you real quick. How did that plot thread resolve? Uh, Cause remember like the whole reason he couldn't go back to America was that he was wanted for murder. Well, you know, it all worked out. It, uh, it's a mystery. You and know, everything was fine. Uh, that plot thread just gets dropped. Uh, summarily, uh, fine, whatever. Uh, so anyway, Helena Shaw is, is really problematic. So we get a lot of information about her very quickly because James Mangold seemed intent on recreating Casablanca. Uh, he wanted that vibe so bad, so, so bad. And, uh, we get a whole bunch of world building very quickly because Helena Shaw has a short round named what Tony, I don't even. Uh, yeah, I, I actually uh, don't know what that kid's name was. It it was something. Uh, I don't remember. He sucks. He's he just, he ain't no short round. That. That's all no. I'm going to say. Uh, what is this? I can't even, he's not even the list of credits. Who's this kid? Oh, no, that's, that's Antonio, ben, Antonio Banderas. Um, Teddy. Oh uh, yeah. It was Teddy, Teddy Kumar, Helena's Moroccan sidekick. Uh, Nothing on the kid. He 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 was a fine kid actor. He's a child. A kid actor. He's a child. Like I'm not gonna. I'm hold. not gonna pick on a child. But I want to point out that they have that child murderer man. Um, and I I think short round did knock a kid knock a couple people into that like endless death pit in Temple of Doom. I think that did happen. He beat the fuck out of the Maharaja. And he beat the <laughs> fuck out of the Maharaja. That was great. Little kids punching each other. But that kid handcuffs a henchman to a grate underwater, ensuring his eventual death by drowning. Um, and that seems a bit hard. That seems a bit seems a bit tough for an indie film, uh, especially when most people look at Temple of Doom and say, "Like, geez, guys, calm down." God. And there was just no, yeah, like a dude got eaten by ants in Crystal Skull, but he did. that still yeah. was not as savage as I don't know. I'm just gonna savage. handcuff you to this great lift you to yeah. drown. I, this I mean, twelve were... year old child, am going to handcuff you to a great and you'll <laughs> die. There were a <laughs> lot of ways that they could have handled his 
Yeah, abduction. I mean, the guy could still die. I mean, it's yeah. fine. Like, he's a henchman. It's fine. I really expected them to call back and do a big dude versus Indy fight scene where Indy had to get super creative Jesus, to take the guy one. down. But then, no, he just gets fucking rocked by the 12-year-old cab driver. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, all I mean, right. and I so, guess all of the, uh, the muscles had really, really nasty deaths in in Indiana Jones movies. Oh yeah, they but they do. Rarely yeah, totally. at the hands of children. Not so. usually at the hands of kids. Normally it's Indy doing doing that sort of accidental murder. Um, you know, cuz that's always the other thing is that Indy's never the one who directly murders them. He he contributes to their murder over the course of their fight, right? Cuz in Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, they're fighting around the plane, the propeller comes around, kills the guy from behind Oops. and Indy's just like, "Oh dang, Ooh. sorry." <laughs> In yeah, Temple everybody of, makes a face like, ooh. Like, ah, uh, ooh. Oh, but it was no, but it wasn't Indy's fault, right? Not necessarily. Um, in Temple of Doom, same thing. It's the big guy. It, he tried to save the guy on the rock crusher, right? In uh, Crystal or in in uh, Last Crusade, oh Last it was Crusade, a Nazi. It was the Nazi on the tank, tank, right? Which he Nazis just, can explode. That's fine. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, yeah, it's the Nazi general who goes over the side of the tank. Um, but again, that was demise of his own doing, right? He was, he was going to kill Indy by running him over. He messed up, went over the side of the cliff. In, uh, even in Crystal Skull, the dude, they're fist fighting and he falls and he gets outside of the little like safety area of the Crystal Skull and he gets killed by the ants. But that wasn't Indy's direct, like he didn't command the ants to murder him, right? So it, Again, it's one of those things when you are just riffing on previous stuff, if all you do is look at the pieces of the riff, oh, we need big guy and we need little guy and then we need big guy to die by some sort of means that's not directly related to the little guy. Like what I fully expected to happen was that the kid would have worked the cuffs off, right? Like slipped out of them. And then there would only be a hole big enough in the grate for the kid to get through, but not yeah, and the guy would have the got big stuck guy. Or something. And he's just stuck. Right. It's not like he's going to be able to resist the current and swim back to the surface. So he just gets stuck. But they had to go that extra mile where he handcuffs him to it. I'm like, you didn't have to do that. Right. There didn't have to be malice intent here. It was just I slipped the cuffs. You couldn't. And you died. Now that annoying kid has to live with blood on his hands for the rest of his life. Exactly. <laughs> Teddy will never be the same. Um, but we'll never see Teddy again. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's no big deal. He's just <laughs> hanging out with Sola's kids for eternity. Uh, so. Uh, you know, weird stuff like that. I mean, once the actual mystery picks up, right? Because most of the second act of this film, which is where I think most people will lose interest in this film, is Indiana Jones and Helena Shaw, for reasons unknown, go to a place. Usually yeah. because somebody says this place is important. They go to a place. They obtain a thing, a tiny piece of the, the puzzle that they need. That piece leads them to another place. They go to that place. Well, Well, before they leave, the Nazis show up or someone shows up that chases them and then either steals the thing they just found or forces them to use it to know where the next step is. And, and it's then it never becomes really a race. clear how the Nazis are able to find them. They just always do. They just, they just always they know. Just always know. Yep. And they always arrive at just the right moment. Right? Oh yeah. Like one of the things I really like about Indiana Jones is that sometimes Indy gets to the place too late. Right. Like he yeah. doesn't get there in time. But in this one, the Nazis always show up at the crucial moment when things are happening. And, and the best example is in 
the 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 Casablanca scene is Helena Shaw is holding an auction for for historical items, and she has the Antikythyros or the Dial of Destiny, whatever you want to call it, and she's auctioning it off for quick cash, which doesn't seem like an efficient way to get quick cash. Uh, I call one eight hundred cash. Uh, it doesn't seem like a good way to pay your debts, but she's doing it anyway. So she's holding this auction. Indy interrupts it first and says that dial belongs uh, to, it belongs with me. It's mine. You stole it. She kind of like blows him off. She doesn't even like, it's like whatever old man. And then the Nazis show up and they take it. And then it turns into an action scene, but it's all like within the span of five minutes that both of these like important figures arrive at this like weird auction that she's holding. And, and then I guess the action scene, the chase scene goes on so long, they're hoping you forget that it was very all tenuous very the way that yeah. you, you got to this point. Because we get, we get, um, okay, so at this point in the film, we have had three via vehicular, or we've had two, this will be our second vehicular action sequence. Um, so in, in New York, Indy goes on a horse chase slash car chase. Uh, through the streets of New York during the ticker tape parade. It's fine. Again, it resolves on the subway that gets a couple of good beats. It's a nice laugh. But the movie um, also opened with a chase scene on a train. On so. a train. So if we're talking about just pure vehicular action, we've already <laughs> had three vehicular action sequences. And so this is our third. And it involves two n- relatively <laughs> nondescript Fiat automobiles. Well, we start in an automobile and then we get to Oh, that's right. Because right. this thing goes on for like 20 minutes so long and, I mean, and, and that it's too long because you you lose touch with what's happening yeah it, you lose all sense of spatial geography where are they what are they doing who are they trying to catch a third car gets involved once schmidt is there um it's just and, it's it's gobbledygook it, it's it's shot well enough but like there's just too much well enough but i i have one thing it's been on my mind because I we we saw Dial of Destiny and then my partner said he had never seen Logan and I had been talking hmm. about Logan. I'm like, oh, it's the guy who directed Logan. Just you know, assuming that he watches every movie that I watch, <laughs> right? Um, which is not the case at all. Uh, and he's like, I've never seen that. So I was like, oh well, I have that. Let's watch it. And he's like, yeah, let's let's do it. So we rewatched Logan. Mm-hmm. And. Mangold does really great action, but it's action of a very specific type where the shots tend to be tighter, like Mm. closer so that it's more visceral and there's more feeling. Like whenever Wolverine puts the claws to somebody, you feel it and it's good because with somebody like Wolverine, that's perfect. But I noticed because it was throwing me off watching dial of destiny because i'm like man i'm so disoriented and with indiana jones i am not used to that at all no like when i mentioned earlier when spielberg shoots action it's clear Mm -hmm. you know what's going on you can he's not afraid to do action in a wide shot where like he'll, he'll back up and show you what's happening he'll show you the scene and then he'll come in for some some closer visceral shots like when it's necessary but you never lose sight of what's going on and in this movie i was getting really overwhelmed 
because I just I just lost everything. I'm like, I have no idea what anyone's doing. I don't even know what vehicle has who in it or where they're going. Yeah. Um, and the other complication with that, and I think what I think contributes to it is that this, I'm not going to say should, but it might have been better as simply a chase scene between Helena and Indy and uh, Jürgen Voller or whatever. Like, it should have been, we need to get the thing from you. But they add an additional, and I'm I'm sorry, frankly, unnecessary complication of this guy that Helen Shaw had been with in the past. Like a boyfriend. She, she broke his heart, and he's also like a mobster or something. And we and, never see him again. So we get all of this backstory nope. about this relationship, and then this dude is is gone. He's he's vapor. Like they get a laugh out of it or try to because like they all the the soldiers back off or whatever and Indy thinks he's like, Yeah, that's right, you know, yeah, we know what's going on. And then it no, but no, it's because the mobster guy is here and they're like, Oh shit, mobster guy. And so like he has the so like the mobster guy is given the unfortunate task of like being enraged by love. And like, Helena, how could you do this to me? You sold my ring. Like all of this stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? And so we find out that like he loves her, but he's also the one that she owes money to or something. Like there's just a lot of information. And then he becomes the third complication inside this already complicated action sequence because his car is also chasing them and doesn't have any interest in what Voller is doing, but it's trying to stop them anyway. And so their car gets wrecked and doors come off and they're hopping between cars and jumping on the backs of cars. And, and it's just like, why, why, why are we doing this? Like, again, if this dude was consequential, if he was going to come back at some point and be like, I still love you, Helena Shaw, I will support you in your efforts to stop the Nazis. Like that would be one thing. Like if they tried to get some kind of weird Casablanca, you know, our love doesn't amount to a hill of beans in this world, you know, (laughs) it or something. Okay. <laughs> but it seems like we <clears throat> it seems like they either radically changed late in the game Helena Shaw's motivations. Yes. Or they didn't really have a clear arc for what they wanted those motivations to be and I they threw this cool. in and they threw this in as a way to try and solve that problem. Because again, I'm fairly confident in is in in Indiana's arc in this movie because it's obvious. Old man who has no purpose finds purpose again. That's it. It's fine. It's also the theme of Logan. (laughs) Yeah. If we're being honest. Um, But Helena Shaw's motivations are the ones that I have the most problem with. Because Indy makes all of these statements throughout the film. Because there's this, she like memorized her dad's journals on the Antikythyros or whatever. And Indy's (laughs) like, you don't memorize your dad's journals because you want money right or whatever it was and it was like okay so you're trying to say she's doing this for love for her father like that she's really she's really an adventurer deep down like is that what you're trying to get at because i'm fine with that but we haven't seen any evidence of that not i mean you're telling us that it's that it's there but we haven't seen it um so i i really think i remember saying to heather when we left my my partner um I really wish that she had just been working for like an old rival of Indies, right? That she had started Mm. good, like not good, but she had started as like the, this belongs in a museum kind of person. 
but it then had fallen in with this crowd of, you know, thieves and grave robbers. And because like that's the other problematic thing that nobody wants to say about Indiana Jones is that our thoughts on the colonial white museum stealing stuff from other people in the efforts to preserve it kind of radically changed in the last 20 years. Like we're, which is one of the reasons why I think they went with crystal skull is because it was this interdimensional artifact and it didn't belong to anybody, right? Like yeah. nobody really owned it and, and no we don't have museum to deal with all this baggage that. and no museum would have it. Exactly. But like Indiana Jones, that, that whole principle of his, that we're preserving these artifacts, we're not selling them. We're not giving them to the highest bidder is actually kind of problematic now. Um, not enough to where I'm going to go back and be like, these movies are racist and colonial and terrible. It's like, no, they were a product of the time. They themselves were callbacks to movies of the forties and fifties mm-hmm. that were even more sort of stupid about that shit. Like so at this I'm not, point we're doing callbacks of callbacks. Callbacks. Of, yeah. I mean, yes, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. That's the best way to say it. We're doing callbacks on callbacks on callbacks because Steven Spielberg was referencing an entirely different set of films when he made his films. This is just how culture works, it compounds and it builds so I'm not angry about it's it, like but I, it, it rhymes <laughs> every time we come back to it. Um, George Lucas was right all along. He was, um, he was right. But like, I can understand from a screenwriting perspective, you don't want to deal with that. You just want to be like, we're not even going to go there. Just not even talking about it. But I think it would have worked. I mean, like it couldn't have been Belloc, right? Because Belloc got his face fucking melted off. <laughs> But like, what if it was some other like dude that Helena Shaw drops his name and he's like, you're working for that scum, you know, you're going after that piece of trash, you know, like, or you're working for him. And then Indy kind of like convinces her that the, the search, the find, the, the, you know, the, whatever, that's the real goal. And she like reengages with that attitude that maybe her dad had or whatever. I just feel like that would have been a much like more straightforward through line it would, that would also give her a redemptive arc right like you're coming back right like you you fell in with these gangs of thieves you're making the quick buck but ultimately like i'm gonna pull you back to the side of like real history right like we are finding ourselves in history we're discovering who we are as people in history and that's what it's about and and i i don't know i just feel like it would have been better because again that dude never shows up again like, what if that archaeologist guy, like, after Mickelson got his fucking face bashed in on that fucking train, which I cannot emphasize enough how stupid it is that they do not pay that off. Maybe he had engaged another guy to help him find this thing, you know, and and like maybe the CIA was paying for it. I don't know. However you want to find like whatever. But like we get this other like, you know, Belloc style Indiana Jones, but bad analog who is helping the Nazi because he wants to go back to the glory days where he could kick and kick in Tutankhamun's tomb and steal all the shit or whatever. You know, who cares? Like make, I mean, the point take, is do something takes to do something, take Boyd Holbrook out of the movie. Yeah. And replace him with another older actor who could be like Indiana Jones's actual rival who has like where Indiana Jones found despondency this guy took his despondency and turned it into rage. I'm going to change the world because they need to remember that history is where everything lives like, or whatever dude. Like, so then Indiana Jones has actually a person that he can legitimately have both an ideological and actual fight with 
right? Because I, mean, I mean, if you're just gonna make up people, if you're just gonna invent new, and that's all we're doing. All these people are made up, man. Like every single person in this movie is a new character, save for Sulla, Marion, and that's it. I mean, like, so if you're just inventing people, I I don't need to know Helena Shaw's you know former dalliances with mobsters. I I mean, like, again, I guess whatever, but it doesn't matter. So why? Uh, yeah. I. I Stop wasting my time. And then the biggest thing, the biggest, well, not the biggest, but one of the biggest missed opportunities for me was, did you know Antonio Banderas is in this movie? Um, I did. Um, Are you sure he's in this movie? <laughs> it was, it was really funny because I, I knew he was in the movie. I had seen some tweet or article, I don't know, that mentioned him. So I'm like, Antonio Banderas, what the fuck is he doing? But hey, I love Antonio Banderas. He's a great actor. Totally. So I was really, I was excited. And then he was in the movie for about six seconds. Okay, so I think this is funny. Um, I don't, I don't have the official billing in hand. I am relatively certain that Antonio Banderas is the fourth top billed actor in this film. Yeah. And he is in this movie for less than ten minutes. Um, my is partner, he great? afterward, I yes. said like, wow, Antonio Banderas's part was small. And he was like, Antonio Banderas was in this movie. Where yeah. was he? He was that guy right there. He, he was the boat man. He was like, that was him. Really? Huh? That's, I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That flew right by. <laughs> um, which when they said, I've got an old friend, I got excited. Cause I was like, oh, are we going to get another nostalgia? legacy character from the past brought back and it's like no it's another new character that we just made up that's been indy's friend for decades and i was like that's fine it's whatever i'm glad to see antonio banderas i love seeing him movies put him in more movies i'm fine with it but then this was a huge disappointment yeah because he's he's barely in it we get another action sequence which this one was at least clever it was underwater skeletons eels instead of snakes which they get a couple of mile you know laugh lines out of that and and it's fine. It, it was it was good, it but again, it was too over too quickly. And once again, yeah. it was ended because the Nazis showed up, even though they should have absolutely no way of knowing where they are. I felt this was the one part I felt like the movie was teasing me, where I'm like, "You're just making mm. me think of things that I want to see, and then not <laughs> giving them to me." And right, and it's fine. Movies don't have to give me everything I want, but if you're going to tease me about it, that's mean. Well, again, this um, they kept this felt making, to me. Go well, they kept making that warning about three minutes. You only have three minutes underwater to, mm-hmm. to explore this this shipwreck, and I'm like, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be exciting. Something's gonna go wrong, and they're they're gonna get trapped, and then oh god, and nope, they just go down, and the shipwreck looks really cool, but yeah, I can't stay too long because we only have three minutes. But really, we only took about two. We're going to grab the thing and then leave. Mm-hmm. Why did they spend so much time it's going so on about the three up. minutes so and then not do up. anything with yeah. that? And they just didn't do anything with it. Instead, I, I, they go the eels route. <laughs> yeah. He just gets trapped <laughs> by eels and it's real creepy. I, I think that this is one of those we've never seen Indiana Jones do this. I think that's all it was. And they're like, this is the last, this is the last ride. So if we're going to see him scuba dive, this is it. 
because <laughs> he's he's never done it before. Uh, it, I mean, it worked and it led to a scene where they discovered a scene and they discovered a thing and they did the thing and you know, like again, it's it's fairly fairly standard in Nina Jones, but like you said, they're just teasing us at this point. They're just showing us stuff because we think we might want to see it. And they're just inventing reasons to show it to us. And those reasons are very weak and they're not really motivated by the plot or the story. And they don't pay off in any way. Yeah. It just, they just stop. Like the scene just ends and then we go to another scene and you know, Indiana Jones, a lot of the movies do that, you know, like I'm, I'm fine with Indiana Jones being funny. Okay. And being goofy. I mean, let it, lest we forget tells the Baron that we are here to view as a tapestries, right? Like, (laughs) I remember, right? Like, it's it's fine. It's okay. And if you I love are that Scottish movie. Lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I am Mickey Mouse. That's uh, funny. It's oh. great. Uh, so it's fine. But like, when those scenes end, they end in such a way that we understand that everything here is resolved. So we are ready to move from Castle Buchenwald or whatever to you know. Jordan, right? We get our our lovely travel by map sequence. But a lot of these, the scenes just stop and then it's like, okay, travel by map. Okay, we're moving. We're in a boat now. You know, and it's like I Because it was just running. They were just running from running. And it's like, man, come on, dude. Like travel takes time. If even if you're in a fast boat, you're talking about days of travel time here like don't you know you that's why spielberg put in the travel by map he's like well it would take like it'd take like six hours to get to the airport take another 12 hours to fly it would take six more hours to get then i have to ride my horse and you know and he's like travel by map you know this this didn't feel like an adventure it felt like a chase yeah Yeah, it's a chase movie and and not adventure indiana jones indiana jones should be the guy initiating not reacting Almost every time he's putting himself in these situations. He's, he's putting himself in front of the train and then he has to figure out how to get out in front of it or or get away from it. Like, but this time he's just constantly on the back foot and it feels bad. It just does. Yeah. Um, sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, no, that, I mean that, that is it is just, it feels bad. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's not. And I'm fine because again, this is kind of indie that's lost a step. Right. And I'm, I'm OK with that because he, he's not necessarily going to be the guy who is ready for every eventuality. I mean, this this is the dude who drank the poison from Laoshe. Right. So it's it's not like he doesn't fuck up and make mistakes. He does. And it's fine. But even after he drank the poison from Laoshe, he's like, you're going to give me that antidote, dude. And I'm going to beat everybody in place to the ground until I get it. And it's like, uh, you know, like there's this weird balance, man. And it's it's a hard one to strike. And I'm not faulting Mangold here. Like, I think for the most part. Mangold did a lot right with this because, and and here's where we can kind of wrap up because we've been talking for a long time. Um, Once the third final or not even the third act, but once the final like sequence of this movie kicks in, I was like leaning forward in my seat because the moment they get on that plane and they fly towards the time rift that is, you know, from the, that the dial has pointed them to, I was like, okay, now we're into something here. It was the exact same thing that happened once we realized that it was aliens and crystal skull. But this time I was like, well, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be that bad. <laughs> but like the time portal stuff, because I mean, here's the, the real big spoiler. Indiana Jones travels through time. Yay. Yeah. I mean, okay. 
I know there are people being like, it's a, uh, not science, man. <laughs> like, okay. I don't care. Dude, he saw his dad get healed by the Holy Grail. And I did love the line and the delivery from Harrison Ford where he's like, I don't know. All I know is I've seen things that I can't explain. That was a good line, dude. I was like, yes, that's how that's how somebody like Indiana Jones would 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 talk about these things. I really liked when he specifically referenced, well, have you ever drank the blood of Kali? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, awesome. That's great. Of course he would say that when somebody's pressing him about like his, his athletic skills. Like, have you done all this shit? No. Um, You know, like I, I liked that. Those kind of things were cool. I was like, yeah, that's good. Um, But when, when they move through the time portal again, I'm not, you, yes, you could argue he didn't actually see what the Ark of the Covenant did. He clo- had his eyes closed and woke up to the aftermath or opened them to the aftermath. I mean, the next time he opened his eyes, all the Nazis had melted. So, right. like, what did he think happened? It's, he knew something went down, right? <laughs> like, it wasn't like a mystery. Who melted them? Yeah, where'd they all go? <laughs> um, you know, so, like, and and then in Temple of Doom, he sees the stones react when he says the words but that's kind of it. And of course he had seen some of the weird ritualistic stuff, but not, you know, definitive proof. And when he saw a man rip out another man's heart. Sure. But I mean, like that's a normal Tuesday in India, apparently. So yeah, he saw the village immediately spring back to life once the stones had been replaced. Um, Yeah. I mean, like there, I, cause I listened to a couple of podcast conversations as I was thinking about what I have, you know, what I wanted to say. And they were like, Oh, Indiana Jones should never, you know, it should never go this far. He always needs to stay on the side of like, uh, you know, that this is, this could something, something that could really happen. And I'm like, no, this is X-Files. You never get definable scientific proof that you can share with others. That's the trick, right? There is nothing that Indiana Jones can present to people after the fact, apart from Temple of Doom, if you wanted to sort of like point to the stone and be like, village came back to life um but like he loses the grail the grail caverns destroyed the old knight dies um the ark of the covenant is sealed away by the government never to be opened again presumably um and even crystal skull the entire ship and everything disappears so even if they wanted to say hey we found aliens there ain't nothing there to prove it so it's just their word and like that's the problem science and history your word isn't enough Right. We've got to have verifiable evidence. So I'm totally fine with this whole battle of Syracuse thing, because, again, he could tell people all day long that he traveled in time and went back to the battle of Syracuse. He has no evidence. Yeah. All right. There's nothing he can present to a conference to say, like, I time traveled. Right. <laughs> like he can point to the weird little carving on Archimedes thing and be like, look at that. It's propellers. Is it not? Right. But it doesn't matter. Right. So that for me is where is is how all of these movies hand wave you know, him seeing these extraordinary things. It's like, no, it's not like he didn't see them or he didn't engage with them or he didn't acknowledge them. It's just that he could never present them as fact because as a historian, fact must be accompanied by physical evidence. Right. And so like, I'm fine with it. I, I, the people who are pissed about that, I'm like, you're dumb. Like you just don't understand how these movies work. I always felt like part of the thematic development of, of the movie, speaking of like the theme of Indiana Jones is that he learns there's something more important than that stuff. Yes. So he doesn't, that, you know, he doesn't tell learning. anyone about the Ark years. of the Covenant. 
or the, the, the Shankara stones or the cup of Christ, because he's like, well, I learned something a bit bigger than that. So right. we'll just, I'll just go back to teaching my history and archaeology courses. Exactly. I just, I discovered that it was really the friends we made along the way. Right? The grail really was the friends we made <laughs> along the way. Um, you know, and, and this movie does that same theme. So again, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's got precedent and it works for the character. Again, you would hope that at some point he would have just would have stuck. But the main thing here that I think Mangold sets up for why we're repeating, because really Crystal Skull does end on the most positive up note of any of the Indiana Jones films. I mean, he gets married like that is the traditional like my life is good now. I've got a son. I've got a wife. I've got a life. You know, I learned it. And so Mangold very rightly says, well, we have to take all that away again. And and that happens with the death of Mutt in Vietnam, right? Like that's that breaks Indiana Jones again. And again, I, I cannot commend Harrison Ford's performance enough. Yeah. It is further evidence when that man gives a shit, he is absolutely masterclass. Like the man is almost unsurpassable in the emotion that he can generate on screen with quiet words, simple expressions. Like he is not bombastic most of the time, but when he hits those beats, man, he is just gut-wrenchingly good. He and made so when me he, shed a tear for Shia LaBeouf. I know, it's, right? I was like, God, big. I feel bad about Mutt. On, <laughs> yeah, like, why am I sad that kid's dead? I hated him. Come back, Mutt. <laughs> we missed you, man. Yeah, You're like, hurting just, Indiana Jones's heart, and I don't like it. <laughs> And so, you know, everything wraps up. They go back in time. They We got set up for the Battle of Syracuse. We witnessed the Battle of Syracuse. He's there. I thought that they were going to, that it was going to be revealed that like Indiana Jones was Archimedes or something. <laughs> I really was like, oh, buddy. Oh, God. Please don't. Um, you know, because we get a setup of him having like a modern watch. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit, is that? Because earlier... Indiana Jones had said, that's my dad's watch. You don't take that from me. Right. And so I was like, oh shit, is that his dad's watch? Is he, is he Archimedes? Is that where this is going? <laughs> He's going to go back in time and become Archimedes and then build this thing so that he can go back in time and become Archimedes. And we close that had bit. happened. Cue every single nerd on the planet. Oh, just like my. launching themselves off of a building. <laughs> <laughs> just like, like in the happening. Like they're just all plummeting to the ground. Like, no, <laughs> I seriously for a minute was like, Oh God, no, don't, don't do it. And they, they kind of did it, but they, they didn't. So like, but he goes back and it explains a bunch of stuff that's been set up. We see the little play with the dragon assaulting the, the Battle of Syracuse, all this stuff. Clever. It's fine. The plane is the dragon. What? It's, it's a good action sequence. It got me excited. I was like, yeah, this is cool. This Indiana Jones is in history now. Like, this is awesome. And then he wants to stay. And Archimedes is like, I don't know, bro. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but I need my dial because I have to be able to finish my dial with the dial that you brought me so that I can set it to bring you back here so I can finish it the first place. And, and it's again, closed loop time travel. That's, that's what we're doing. And that's fine. It's great. It's totally fine. The Nazis get their due um, in, in delicious fashion as one would hope problematic for like the remnants of the plane and technology. I guess Archimedes would have just collected it all and hidden it away or something, whatever. Um, but then Helena Shaw punches out Indy 
we go lights out, which I didn't hate that, that whole sequence of like, we need you in, in the present was all very good until you think about why she's saying those words and what is motivating her to say those words. Cause they don't, we haven't really seen their relationship grow in such a way that where she would be like, I need you, which is what I wanted her to say is I need you. Not the world needs you. It was, I need you. I want to have a relationship with you. Please come back with me. I felt like that would have been a better payoff is like, because they have that whole lot. They have a whole conversation about like, what is a good Godfather and how he wasn't one. So, you know, I, I really wanted her to kind of lean into that, but again, whatever Helena Shaw is, I need to see the film again because her motivations and what she's trying to do are very unclear to me. Um, and they go back and Indy wakes up again. They make it back to America. No questions asked. No problem. Got him through customs. Not wanted for murder anymore, I guess. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, and he was unconscious the entire time on this transatlantic flight. Uh, you know, her her punch was the punch heard around the world. Just knocked him out for days. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess they probably, you know, kept him under anesthesia or something, whatever. Uh, and he wakes up in his apartment and it's supposed to be a mirror of the first time. Right. Like we're, we're, we're going through it again and all the sadness, but now there's life, right? Sola's there with his grandkids and, uh, Marion just walks in the door with a bag of groceries and, and like, you know, his life has resumed. There is a very sweet scene. I mean, I think one of the reasons why I left this film satisfied is because the last scene between Andy and Marion is really fucking good. Like it's, it's a lovely callback all the way back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, but reversed this time. I, but what I wanted him to cap it with, God damn it, was for her to say, it ain't the years, it's the mileage. Like, I was like, shit, man, you did the rest of the scene. Why wouldn't you give the best fucking line from it? Fuck. Like, that's, that's the Movie line. It teases you. Uh, I was oh, like, let her say it this time, right? Because it's the mileage between them now. It's not yeah. his mileage, right? It's not the mileage that he's done to his body. It's the mileage between the two of them, right? It recontextualizes the line when she says it. Um, and again, maybe there's a cut of this film somewhere where she did. I, <laughs> uh, I presume. It's the cut that exists in your heart. <laughs> in my heart. But we do get a reconnection that Indiana Jones is ready to and and more we get the impression that Indiana Jones's fell, life fell apart because he disengaged, right? Not because the world did it to him, because he made the decision to walk away. Um, and so, like, there's there's some healing there. It's a nice little scene. They decide to leave Marion and Indy alone. The hat is drying on the clothesline, and then the last shot of the movie is him grabbing the hat and presumably ready for another adventure that we're never going to see and nobody is ever going to see this because on purpose, like they didn't, they're not going to make any more of these, but the idea is that Indiana Jones will always live on. Um, and I'm well, fine with that. We've given him a send off for three movies now. He's gotten three think, complete send offs. <laughs> I think, I think he's ready to leave. <sighs> yeah. And, and I, if anything, that's it is that this is a character that reached a lovely ending in 1989 and as much as I love this character and I was desperate, I, I was one of those fans clamoring for another one because I'm an idiot. I just, I think this is more evidence for the fact that there are certain films, 
certain brands, if you will, certain IP that exists in a specific time and it's good for that time and it doesn't need to exist anywhere else. You don't need to keep bringing it back yeah. and it's okay. Right? Like it's fine. It's good because they will always exist and those movies are still there. Um, again, I, I know we have, we have shat pretty thoroughly all over <laughs> this movie, but I do want to reemphasize that for the majority of its runtime, I would say probably 60% of its runtime, I was having a good time yeah. and I liked what it was doing. I think it, even though Mangold is not Spielberg, I think it, the film for the most part looks like an Indiana Jones film. I really liked the caving stuff as they're searching for Archimedes tomb. I mean, again, once they get to Italy and everything really sort of moves into that last phase, I think the movie that was all works. great. It just works. It's very good. It's very tight. But again, that's, that's, part of one of the reasons why Indiana Jones movies are generally much simpler and much more straightforward is that you should never reach that final section, that final act of an Indiana Jones movie. And it be unclear about where you're headed, I guess like, not that you yeah. can't be surprised, but it's like the pieces are all in play. The chessboard is set for the final confrontation. And there were definitely moments in the last one, like, okay. And here was the one I, I saw pointed out. And I was going to ask you this. Why do they steal a car from a couple that just got married? I don't know. And that seemed mean. Doesn't that seem like the setup for a joke? Yeah. Like you're setting that up for them to like pull into the top of the mountain or whatever. And people to be like, you guys just got married. Right. Or like, because the way it ends in in the movie is like, wow, you just took it from that couple. Why did you take it from them? And they just get out of the car and go about their business. It's like, okay. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, I guess it theoretically would have been a car that was sitting there unattended. I mean, it wasn't. They were putting the cans on the back or whatever. It it wasn't. Yeah. Like, weird. (laughs) It just seemed, again, it seemed like a setup for a joke that got cut. And that, and like, this is, and this is the microcosm of Dial of Destiny. A bunch of this movie seems like set up for shit that got cut. <laughs> it does. It does. Which which makes it gives me this very haunting fear that there will be some kind of director's cut of this movie and I don't want it. I don't, I don't want, want any it. more I don't footage, need it. please. It's fine. Like you can only put something in if you take something else out. That's the oh. trade. Like it's and again, this is a movie that was labored under you know the COVID nineteen pandemic, there was all kinds of shit working in this working against this movie. But this is one of those films where I'm like, if you can't get it right, you wait and you get it right. Like this is you don't rush an Indiana Jones film. The only person that can rush an Indiana Jones film and kind of not know what they're doing is Steven Spielberg. Like that is obvious. Yeah. Because Temple of Doom was rushed and Steven Spielberg was like, I guess yeah, whatever, we'll do that thing. But he can pull that off. Not everybody can. Um, so anyway, we've been talking for a long time and I <laughs> need have. to let you go to bed or some or whatever it is you would do in Sweden at this time when it's still completely sunny and bright outside. <clears throat> it's it's it, mostly you just look at it and marvel and go, wow. And then you put on your sleeping mask and be like, God, I hope I can go to bed. <laughs> um, no, like it, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because I do have a lot of feelings about Dial of Destiny. Again, I, I, I think it's it is easily better than Crystal Skull as a total package easily 
Like, no question. Um, even though there are parts of Crystal Skull that are way better than this movie. Like, way better. Um, but I, I did enjoy it. My family got into it for the most part. Like, my wife was was really enjoying it. My kids were into it. They thought it was great. Um, but they don't have all this baggage that I have with Indiana Jones, yeah, right? Like we have so of, much emotional so baggage much emo- for movies. Em- emotional damage. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, they, it's just, there's so much with this character that's, you know, sort of built into my psyche from the ground up. But I will say that if, I think if people can engage with it on its level and just kind of like go with its flow and not ask too many questions, not get too engaged in its lore or what it's trying to do and just sort of like enjoy it for what it is, it's it's a decent action adventure film. But it is not the throwback action adventure film that I think it could have been. Like this could have been a 90s era fast slam get in there, get out kind of action film. And it's just not that. I mean, this thing is two and a half hours long and you, you feel it feel it um man you feel it and and i just we don't need that man like you don't have to do that you really don't uh that is another thing i'll say about nimona that's just like 90 minutes it's yeah. great <laughs> that's that was really difficult i think that was the most difficult part because you know if if a movie isn't perfect it's whatever but the longer that movie is, the more the imperfections start to like pile up and sure. really bother yeah. me. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I certainly don't regret seeing it in the theater because it's Indiana Jones. Of course, I'm going to see it in the theater. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, I saw Stupid Crystal Skull opening night in the theater. Like I bought a ticket in advance and went by myself like some kind of loser. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, Part of that enjoyment, part of the, the the way that I reconcile a movie like this is I remind myself that you cannot take Indiana Jones away from me. Mm-mm. You can't take the the decades of enjoyment that I've gotten out of those films, the original three, out of of my life at this point. And I feel like most of the dialogue surrounding movies like this and the cursed Star Wars is that people feel like it has somehow damaged their perception of the pre-existing thing. And this movie, it doesn't do that. I don't think it takes it that far. But at the same time, just just relax. Just just relax and watch the movie. It's good. It's a good movie. It's, it's a good it film, yes. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, but it is, a, it is unfortunately releasing in a time when nobody is going to a theater to see a good movie. No. That's the problem. Uh, people are only going to theaters to see movies that they can be relatively guaranteed are great. Um, and and this, is, unfortunately, is not that. There are moments of, of really, really good stuff in this, for sure. But it is not that total package where you walk out, call your friends, and say, like, dude, you got to see this. I'll go with you again. Like, it's just not that. Um, and so, you know, a, a middling affair but uh, a, a good way to cap our discussion of the the summer films of 2023 thus far. You know, now we're moving into the second half of the year, and you know we are going to get a few more relatively big releases. But uh, I, I think it's we fair have to Barbenheimer say it. coming up. So. Yeah, Barbenheimer is really the next big thing, and and my uh, my partner, my wife, is very excited about Barbie. She is like, I want to see this because I think I think it is going to be like the Brady Bunch movie from the 90s. I think it's going to be even more surreal. 
yeah, maybe, yeah, definitely, probably even crazier than that. Definitely, probably. That's certainly a thing that I can say. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be this relatively succinct and satirical look at these cultural phenomena and how they play out in our world and the impact they have. I think it's going to be a much smarter film than anybody is ready for. And based on some early stuff I've seen, I think that's probably going to be true. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, I was hoping to be able to go see Oppenheimer and take everybody, but apparently there's a lot of full frontal nudity in Oppenheimer. Yeah. I heard um, that. Which I was like, okay. You got to tell his life sure. story. And, and he was hanging brain most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, and if anybody can do it, Cillian Murphy, uh, you can go right ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's fine. I mean, it is about relationships. I mean, I guess it could be radiation exposure, washing stuff too, maybe, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I was, I was hoping to take everybody because my kids actually like Christopher Nolan's movies. Uh, even my young, my son, who's only 12, but he's, He's a smart 12, I think. And he's like, yeah, Tenet was fine. He was explaining Tenet to one of his friends while he's playing Fortnite the other day. I was like, <laughs> go kid. Because <laughs> the kid was like, yeah, we watched Tenet. And it was really confusing. He's like, what was confusing about it? He was going back in time. Super simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My kids aren't dumb. Yes. Uh, no, nobody's dumb. Tenet's not a great movie. <laughs> Tenet's got a lot of problems, as we've discussed. Just um, It's, yeah. But it's, it's, it's still okay. I like it down with what they're throwing still a great Robert Pattinson performance no question uh, okay so we'll wrap it up there uh, we may do another catch up film if we see some more things in the next few months or another catch up podcast but uh, this is much longer than I expected it to be so uh, I'm glad we got the chance to uh, to run through it uh, again some honorable mentions that I was going to, to talk about uh, Ted Lasso season 3 I thought it ended way better people got super up their own butts about that show I think it was fine uh, small schmaltzy, yes, but earned schmaltz, if I can say that. Uh, Silo is great. Silo may be one of the best sci-fi things that's been made in the last couple of years. Really good. Rebecca Ferguson kills it. She's so good in Silo. Um, Silo is worth signing up for Apple TV Plus just for that. Just watch it. It's so good. Uh, riveting, riveting sci-fi filmmaking. Absolutely stellar. Uh, Mando season three was a lot of fun. I don't think we got a chance to talk about that on here. I really like that. Again, I'll just say it. Dave Filoni is out there just trying to fix star Wars like a motherfucker. Like dude is just looking at all the problems and being like, I can, we can do this and fix everything. And everybody's like, okay, <laughs> it's, it's, he's doing a good job. Mando season three is a lot of fun. And the show is now set up for many more fun hijinks in the future. Uh, Secret Invasion is running right now. It's not complete yet, so I don't really think I want to talk about it. But talking to digital de-aging, there's a ton of digital de-aging of Samuel L. Jackson in that, and it's fantastic. Looks really good, but they don't have to do much. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson looks mostly the same. He looks the same. I mean, you you have. I feel like you could just use some just for men on his facial hair, and and you're good. Yeah, and you're good. <laughs> um, so really good de-aging when it's being used there. Uh, show is mostly okay. I think it's going to end better than it has been so far, but it's still been all right. Uh, it, it very low key cold war spy show like Tinker Taylor soldier spy kind of stuff is more what the vibe of that show is very quiet, 
no big bombastic stuff, just really a spy master at the end of his life trying to figure out how to play the game one more time. But it's good. Uh, Strange New Worlds is the best that Star Trek has been in forever. I know there are some hardcore Star Trek fans that still don't like it. I think they're wrong. I think that they've just completely missed the mark with Strange New Worlds if you don't dig the show and what it's throwing down. Yes, it's snappier and bantier than Star Trek typically is, but Man, it's just so much fun, and my whole family loves it. Which is, as a, as a, as like an old school Star Trek guy, who has who has struggled to convince people that Star Trek is worth watching, because you show them an episode, even a good episode, and they're like, "Isn't kind of boring? What are they doing? Why are they talking so much? Do they shoot things? Like they're having a philosophical <clears throat> discussion, Karen? They're, yeah, like uh, they're discussing whether or not." a non-human entity can have human rights. Like this is important. <laughs> like this is key. Um, yeah. Like, uh, this means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> but then they just go like, I'm going to just, I'm going to be on my phone. Uh, but everybody's totally into strange new worlds. They love the characters. They love the setup. Captain Pike's hair looks so good this season. They subtly changed it. They, they altered it just a little bit, man. Anson Mount just has an impressive head of hair. That is ooh, high quality. Um, I think there is a person on that set that does nothing but make sure that that dude's hair looks good in every shot. Like I believe <laughs> it that there is one person. They just have like a little tool belt of hair care products, and like in between scenes, they're just like coming up, be like, you know, they got the brush and it's like poofing the one side, and being then they're referencing. They've got like a photo on their iPhone of like what his hair was supposed to look like, and they're like, okay, okay, Anson, okay. Go. You know, like, I believe it. I, I'm going to see it. I'm going to glimpse that person in the background DPKs at some point. Uh, and then the last one I'll mention just very briefly as we're wrapping up is Lockwood and Co. on Netflix. What a great show. Not executed super well across the board, but a lot of fun. It's about a uh, like ghost hunting detective agency in this weird alternate universe where like ghosts can take manifest form and hurt people. And so you bring one of these people to your house. It's like Ghostbusters. It's like Ghostbusters, but it's kind of YA fiction and they use swords for it instead of like proton packs. It was a lot of fun and Netflix already canceled it. So uh, I recommend it, but just know that that's all you're ever going to get. (laughs) Um, And, but it was, it was pretty solid. I enjoyed it. Uh, Not too bad, but anyway, uh, all right. So, any other thoughts or recommendations before we depart? I don't think so. Okay, I need to watch more movies. Maybe our listeners could tell me some movies. I could <laughs> yeah, <watch>. true. Yeah, <laughs> connect with us on social media. Let us know some films you'd like us to review. Um, we're always done with that. We have a list. I mean, we I, I have a very long list of films that we still want to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet. But uh, we're My always down for all... suggestions. I'll make a list and then I'll look at the list and I'll get so intimidated by it. I don't watch anything. Yeah. It's so much like that's too many things. So much time. Uh, But yeah, reach out if you've got uh, some ideas of films that you would like us to cover, especially newer stuff that we may not have had the chance to encounter yet, but you feel might fit our uh, general vibe here on the channel where we are uh, in essence trying to, you know, bring to light some films that might be worth your time. Because uh, that's our mission. Not every movie can be a masterpiece, but it could be a failure piece at the same time. Uh, so thanks for hanging out for this extended discussion of our catch-up slash Dial of Destiny breakdown. Um, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we will certainly be back.
Bye-bye.